Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hello and welcome back. By now, you may have finished the five-step process, and if so, well done. That is that is the work right there to really get the foundation of the work that we're going to build on from now on, and I'm really excited to share this next episode with you. So we're going to focus ourselves on the application of the five foundational steps in the day-to-day life, in what we experience. There are lots of different things we experience throughout life and using these tools, we're going to apply them throughout the rest of the episode. It's gonna be great. So today's topic is grief, an essential emotion that you must be willing to feel if you're gonna heal from narcissist abuse and create amazing things in your life. So here's the thing about emotion. So you'll remember from step four that emotion only comes from thoughts, not from outside circumstances, right? And grief is an emotion. And technically, you don't have to feel grief if you don't want to, right? Grief will come when you allow yourself to think the thoughts that create grief. But here's the thing. Mind management is not about control. It's not about manipulating your own mind or emotions to always be happy and to never feel pain. There's some element to that. Yes, as we eliminate unnecessary pain, but coaching never was nor ever will be a way to always feel happy. It is not a drug. It is not a way to eliminate all pain, okay? It's not about being happy no matter what. Mind management and coaching is about allowance. It's about seeing things as they are. It's about accepting yourself as a human with the full gamut of human emotion. And it is about clearing all the pain on top of the pain that prevents you from getting the things that you really want. In other words, you can feel peace about being sad. You can be grateful about being angry because it's when we feel anxiety on top of grief, on top of anger, that is, those are the kinds of traps that create the results in our lives that we don't want, okay? So having said all that, it is my opinion, and you can take it or leave it, that grief is one of those emotions that allowing for it fully Even if those thoughts are thoughts that you're thinking that you don't have to be thinking, okay, allowing for it fully will serve us so much more than trying to control it and trying to manipulate our thoughts all the time so that we never have to feel grief. So for example, think about children. They are so good at processing their grief. And yeah, they cry over really dumb things, right? They grieve things sometimes that aren't even real. And we as parents who love them, we try to stop them from feeling sad and grieving those things because we think they're unnecessary or dumb. And that if we allow that grief all the time, that they're going to turn into whiny babies. But I really don't think that's true. 
I think allowing children to grieve what is really hard for them in that moment, right? Because children are children and they have little children brains, okay? It actually serves to mature them better than we think. And if we try to control their emotion all the time. So for example, I recently threw away something that was really important to my seven-year-old, bless his heart. I had no idea that this was important to him, but I found out, but I found him later crying about it. And he said things like, you threw it away, but I didn't want you to throw it away. And it was something my grandma gave me and I liked it. And now it's gone, right? My brain hears all of those sentences and I can see that it's just his thoughts creating his grief. But in that moment, he doesn't need a coach. He needs a mother. And my mother brain immediately wanted to feel guilt and make him stop grieving so that I could feel better. But instead, I used my coached mother brain (laughs) and I let him cry and I let him think those thoughts because those thoughts are not a problem and grief is not a problem. Eventually, I retrieved the puzzle because it was a puzzle. Well, it was a puzzle he literally never used ever. No big deal. Um, But I retrieved it because it was on top of the trash pile that was actually on top of a bunch of other papers that I'd thrown away. And so it wasn't like touching anything gross. (laughs) And so I got out of the trash can and I gave it back to him. And a couple minutes later, he's still crying a little bit. And I asked if he was okay. And he said, yeah, I'm okay. It just takes me a minute to recover. And I thought, man, I am so proud of that boy. He is allowing and managing his emotion, like without any shame, without any rush. That is how it should be, at least in my opinion. Again, you can take it or leave it, but I was so proud. And I think really that's how we all can be. So on to grief. I love grief. It is beautiful. It is cleansing. It's healing. And even though it feels pretty terrible while we're experiencing it, it really is something so amazing. Grief is something that our brains love to avoid, though, because of its painful nature. Grief is one of those special emotions that is specifically reserved for loss in our life. So loss, right, is that those are the truly awful things like death and divorce, breakups, moving, losing friends, losing a job, losing your way of life. Hello, pandemic, right? Part of our human experience is to feel loss multiple times over the course of our lives. In fact, it is, it's unavoidable because I mean, everyone at some point will die. You may not be around to witness some people dying, but that would mean that you have died. So people in your life will feel your loss. They will feel loss because of you're being gone. Otherwise, right, you're going to lose a lot of people that you love as you age. So you're going to lose your parents, maybe your siblings. You might live through losing a child or a best friend or a favorite celebrity or a beloved pet. It's inevitable. And, And that's just death. Not to mention, you might experience getting fired, having a best friend move away, divorcing after 20 years. Speaking of divorce, even if it's what you wanted, there's usually some grief involved still. So if you're listening to this and you're looking at divorce as a solution because you believe that your spouse is a narcissist, right? Just know that grief will be waiting for you then too. And it's okay. Even though maybe divorce is the choice you wanted to make, you, you might still have to experience some grief and that's 
not a problem. It's, it's part of life. And our brains are wired to not only not enjoy loss, right? We do a lot to avoid feeling that grief that comes with loss. So one way we do that is through anxiety. Feeling anxiety is not fun, but it's way better than feeling the full weight of the grief because it gives us an illusion of control. So a lot of times when we're feeling anxiety about, it's about fear of that loss. Now, sometimes this is not a problem at all, okay? Anxiety kicks in when we're buckling our kids in their car seats to make sure that they're secure so that we don't experience the loss of our child. Or anxiety might make sure that we lock the doors at night or we stay vigilant when we are bringing our children through the airport. I think it's appropriate and wise to take necessary precautions and use the natural anxiety that we feel that protects us from loss so that we can prevent the preventable things that will cause us grief. Absolutely, totally appropriate. But sometimes that same anxiety will not serve us. There is so much outside of us that we can't control. And it's this kind of anxiety, the kind that is about the things that are outside of our control that can get in the way. And sometimes we feel anxiety about loss that's already happened, hoping that it will protect us. But it's in these moments that we need to feel the grief. It's this ability to distinguish between the grief we appropriately avoid, you know, the preventable things, and the grief that we inappropriately avoid, that this, this skill will help us a lot when managing, you know, the cocktail of emotion that we're constantly in. Almost two years ago, I lost a baby about halfway through the pregnancy. There was no warning, no indication that anything was wrong. One day there was a heartbeat, and the next day there was none. We still don't know what happened, but we do know that she died. When the doctor first told us the news, I felt a little sad, but I was not ready to grieve yet. I decided to focus immediately on the next baby, asking when we could try again. It wasn't until later that it really started to hit me. In a very real way, both my body and my mind had to grieve this child. I couldn't, I couldn't just magically move on because my body still needed to deliver the child. She was still inside of me, even though she wasn't alive anymore. I still had to fully experience this immense loss, both physically and emotionally. I had to deliver her in the hospital, knowing that I would leave without her. Those days were long and dark, but they were also really beautiful. It was so hard for us to lose our precious little baby girl that we had looked forward to for so long. She was perfectly formed. Her little fingers, her little toes, even her arms, I could see the veins, you know, through her skin because when babies around 20 weeks um, are in the womb, you their, their skin hasn't developed enough that you can see right through it. It's, it's incredible. We, we did get to hold her and that was wonderful. And my family was there. They, they all came to support me. It was a heavy time, you know, feeling that love, but also having to let go, making all those decisions you never want to make about burial and delivery date and how to tell people that was hard. And during those days between meals and visits, between being in the hospital and delivery and the recovery, I spent a few moments allowing myself to just grieve, to just 
allow the grief to wash over my body, allow myself to heave, to sob, and to just fall apart. I allowed all the thoughts of loss that were there. While it never made me feel good afterwards, I always felt a profound calmness and stillness, which was just utterly perfect. It wasn't happiness, okay? It wasn't, you know, blissful peace, but it was profound and it was still. Losing our daughter was also a very profound spiritual experience for me. We really experienced real miracles during that time that changed me permanently. And one of those was my ability to fully feel all the grief that I needed to. I didn't fight it. And that that was a miracle. And it wasn't just for those few days, right? Over the next several weeks and even months, I continued to experience moments, even hours of processing grief. Sometimes they came out of nowhere, but I allowed them. So recently, um, we've been preparing for a new baby. I'm pregnant with uh, our baby. She's also a girl, which is wonderful. She's due in December. This is the year 2020. And we are so grateful and so excited. And here's the thing, though. I have been experiencing anxiety when I go to doctor appointments, on my way to doctor appointments. And this anxiety is huge. It fills my whole body, my hands shake, my breathing is quicker and it's shallow. I have a a tightness, excuse me, a tightness in my chest and a pit in my stomach. When I noticed this, I took the time to call a friend and process out all my anxiety. It was so great to just allow myself to sit in the anxiety, to be aware of the thoughts, to express the thoughts, you know, and the potential grief, going to worst case scenario, going to best case scenario, really just exploring the emotional, you know, landscape of what was happening in my mind. And here's the truth. I have no control over whether this baby lives or dies. I will, of course, do my best to get the best prenatal care, to take care of myself, right? But ultimately, I can't guarantee that this baby will live or die. That is not within my power. My brain, however, thinks that with enough anxiety and self-blame, I can prevent what happened before from happening again, even though we have zero clue as to what exactly happened. But it's true. I, I literally decided that because I was eating carbs and sugar, that that must have been the cause. And that if I don't control my diet, I will lose this baby again. So of course, I mean, this filled me with so much shame and so much anxiety and dread. It was really hard for me for those first couple of months for me to be excited and happy after we found out we were pregnant. But don't worry. I got coached on this multiple times. And I allowed myself to grieve and to process the anxiety and to accept that the only thing that I know is that my previous baby died and that I have a baby now. That's really all that I truly know. And I'm comforted and I'm reassured that things will probably work out wonderfully, right? There's like a really good chance they're going to work out great. But if they don't, I know I can handle it. It won't feel great. It will not be fun. But I know that I I can pass through it. I know I'll be okay. And so my work now is to just 
live in the miracle of feeling her tiny little kicks, right? I'm about halfway through now, so we're just starting to feel all the baby kicks of each week that goes by and we do hear a heartbeat, of each day that I feel nauseated, of each day that I grow just a little bit bigger. (laughs) Each day is a miracle and I feel nothing but gratitude. She's here. She's inside my body now. She's alive now. And I can hang on to that and live in the miracle of that right now until told otherwise, right? Probably won't be told otherwise, but I feel really at peace you know, that if the worst happens, and I don't think that it will, everything will be all right. So if you think about it, this is how we live life all the time. We don't live assuming that those we love around us will die all the time, but it's always possible, right? A car wreck, a break, um, a break-in gone horribly wrong, right? A disease that came out of nowhere. Maybe someone catches you know, the virus, right? And they don't make it. But even though all these horrible things are possible and there's like literally a million more horrible possibilities that could happen to us, we don't constantly live in the anxiety of that possibility, at least not all of us. I'm I'm sure there are some people who do. But most of us, right, we live in the now, in the miracle of the best case scenario happening most of the time. Thanks to that experience of losing a child, I honestly, I'm a completely different person. I am now friends with grief. I'm not afraid of the awful losses that might come to me that I can't control. The most amazing thing I've ever learned during my journey through coaching has been that the absolute worst thing that can happen to you is an emotion. Isn't that amazing? Things happen and they are painful, either physically or emotionally, and that's it. It doesn't make it okay, but it does make it manageable. It helps me be a lot less fearful, especially of the little things I was so used to being anxious about constantly. Anxiety is just feeling the worst ahead of time. Why do that all the time? I think in some ways it's definitely appropriate, but in especially ways in which we can't control, why are we feeling the, the pain ahead of time? Why do that? Why feel bad now when something hasn't even happened yet? We can feel bad then, right? We don't have to feel bad now. We can feel bad when it happens. Because feeling bad now doesn't prevent feeling bad later. It just makes you feel bad now and later. Why would you choose to feel bad both now and later, right? When we don't feel the grief that we need to feel, it stays inside of us deep down, covered with anxiety, sometimes covered with anger, Sometimes it's numbness and this affects other aspects of our life in ways we aren't fully aware and in ways we really don't want. It prevents you from truly connecting with other loved ones, from doing your best at work, from creating the things you want, and ultimately from fully participating in your life. Just like with my baby, like I was so afraid I was going to lose her. I wasn't enjoying the fact that she was still here. So if you've been in a long-term relationship with a narcissist and you haven't grieved yet, it is likely you are dealing with unfelt grief that comes up in other ways. It looks like resentment of those who hurt you. It looks like lots of anxiety. It looks like numbness, lack of trust, forgetfulness, 
and also buffering. Buffering is, it's a coaching term that I did not invent. It's by Brooke Castillo. Basically, buffering means that it's what we do to avoid uncomfortable emotions, right? Like eating food, using substances like alcohol or drugs or pills, escaping with TV or working too much or whatever it is that we're doing to avoid feeling, that's buffering. In fact, we're going to do an entire other episode on buffering alone. Don't worry. That's a that's a wonderful tool we who deal with narcissists tend to pick up and also those who are narcissists use on a constant basis. So I want you to think about the narcissist relationship in your life. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's an ex, maybe it's a sibling or coworker or spouse or child. In a very real sense, <clears throat> you have experienced a loss. Aside from all the hurt that's been caused by this person in your life, the loss is in what could have and what should have been. Parents, friends, spouses, they're supposed to be the ones that love us the most, that love us unconditionally. They're supposed to be a safe space. I mean, they're not perfect, but generally we are wired for healthy relationships based in unconditional love. When that unconditional love is missing, we experience real loss, even if that person is still alive. One client recently told me about how gift giving was with his narcissist ex. She would ask for things for her birthday or for Christmas or for Mother's Day or whatever, and he would present them to her, but she would always reject these gifts every single time. And sometimes she would judge them. Sometimes she'd just straight up throw them away. Sometimes she would return them, even the ones she actually asked for. And he used to think that he was the failure in this scenario. He would question himself. He believed he was just bad at gift giving because he could never make her happy. And he had so much anxiety around the holidays because he knew what was going to happen. He knew he would be rejected. Gift giving is about creating a mutual bond of love. It's one person thinking of another person and their wants and going out of their way to bring them something they love so that they can express their love to that person. And the person who receives the gift loves the gift and feels gratitude to the giver, right? And feels the love of the other person. This creates a beautiful bonding experience for both people. And this is how it's supposed to be. And when we give, as my client did, and the response was rejection, real loss has occurred. And instead of internalizing and blaming ourselves, what if we just felt the grief of the loss instead of losing trust in ourselves, instead of hurting ourselves further? What if we just could feel the grief? It would heal us. It would allow us to move forward. So that's the work we're working on with that particular client and making a lot of progress there. It's so amazing. It was only through grief that I could create space in my heart and mind for love. When I allowed myself to grieve the narcissist people in my life, I found the ability to truly love them to love them for exactly who they are, while also allowing myself to create safety for me. I stopped fighting against reality. If there are people you love in your life who don't know how to love you unconditionally, you must 
grieve them because it's wanting them to change. It's needing them to change that keeps you anxious, keeps you locked in that toxic dynamic where you're vulnerable to being used or being abused. Let go of who they should have been. Grieve what they should have been. And then you make room. You can see them for exactly who they are. You will feel feel a great stillness and then love will flood in if you want it to. One of my clients is a woman whose mother was an alcoholic. Alcoholism and narcissism go hand in hand. Mothers are supposed to be the one person in your life who loves you unconditionally, who does anything for you, who gives up her life for you. But this mother could not do that. That is true loss, deep loss. It leaves a hole inside of you that no one else can fill. Mother-daughter relationships are complicated for a reason. Just look at all the movies and books that have been written about it. There's a lot of expectation and a lot of failure, but it's because there is this unbreakable bond that exists between mother and daughter. It is eternal, in my opinion at least, regardless of how either shows up for the other because you only have one mother ever. One person carried you in their womb for nine months and birthed you. That bond you share with that person is undeniable. It is in your very DNA. In every cell of your body, you are connected to the person who helped create you. You don't even exist without your mother. She is designed to love you unconditionally. You as an infant and beyond depend on that love. Otherwise, your survival is at, it's threatened. It's almost non-existent if she abandons you, right? But here's the thing. Your mother is also a human. And humans are fundamentally imperfect. So this particular mother, the alcoholic, was abused by her parents. She was robbed of her right to unconditional love. And she chose alcohol to fill that void for the rest of her life. And so her children inherited that void because she could not love them. So how does the daughter, my client, recover from this? Well, I think number one is grief. It's so deep, we don't want to feel it. But it will heal those deep wounds. It will open up the way to the five steps we talked about earlier of learning how to take responsibility for yourself, of setting boundaries and creating safety, of learning how to love yourself unconditionally, of managing your mind and your life and and becoming and building emotional resiliency. And if you can heal this wound, you can heal any wound. This is probably the deepest one, right? The other thing that's really important in this process is to grieve your own loss of the unconditional love that you should have had for yourself. You may never have been taught how to love yourself. You may have spent years of your life holding yourself to unreasonable standards, punishing yourself for failing 
hating yourself for not measuring up. Maybe you never knew how to trust yourself and you spent so much time empty, exhausted, self-hating, maybe even suicidal. This is loss too. Grieve that lack that lives inside of you. Allow yourself to feel it all, all the pain, all the emptiness, all the loss, the unfairness. Let it wash over you. Allow yourself to fall apart and sob for as long as you need. And then a great stillness will arrive. And then you will step in where others have failed. You will learn to provide for yourself all the unconditional love you ever needed. And once you do that, you will learn how to create safety for yourself with love. Love will flood into you if you choose. Great peace will fill your body and your life. It's like magic. But the price is grief. We think it's hard and heavy, and it is. But on the other side is so much love and peace. And that's the truth of it. Someone named E.A. Bucchianetti, I don't know, I think it's Italian, said, so it's true. When all is said and done, grief is the price we pay for love. That's our mortal condition. If there is true unconditional love, then there must also be loss of that love and utter grief when it is lost. If we are unwilling to feel the grief, then we are unwilling to feel love. Let grief be your friend. You can handle it. If you allow it, it will pass on its own much quicker than you think. And if you're finding that connecting to your grief is particularly challenging, I have a couple of suggestions. First, journal out your thoughts, right? Remember how grief is created by thoughts? doesn't mean that those thoughts shouldn't be there, but really connecting with your, your thoughts and bringing the thoughts out will help you connect with your grief. So get them all down. Really unload every thought that comes to mind over the real painful loss that you experienced that you haven't let yourself think about. Read over those thoughts until you can feel the emotion come up. If that doesn't work, for those of you who believe in God or Heavenly Father or a higher power, Try asking or praying for help. This is an amazing tool. I, I did this and it helped me tremendously. It was like someone put a key in the floodgate and opened it and I could finally grieve. So I highly, highly suggest that if you are religious. If you're still having trouble, it's okay. You've likely been locking the grief away for many years that's okay. It may take some time and multiple attempts for your brain to feel safe enough to allow this emotion, but don't give up. Keep trying. It's worth it. I promise you. It is one of the keys to healing. It opens the way to all the healing that is ahead of you. Okay. And that my friends is grief. So Feel free to reach out to me if you need any help. If you have questions, uh, just email me at laura, L-A-U-R-A, at 
by the way, coaching, B-Y-T-H-E-W-A-Y-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. <laughs> I'll leave some things in the show notes so you can maybe access those a little easier. I always reply to my emails, so I'd be happy to hear from you and happy to help you. This is a big deal, managing grief, but you can do it. You will survive it, I promise. And I hope that you have a wonderful week. I'm excited to come back with the next topic. We'll see you soon. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one-hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.